with Dr. Elliot Smith. He's a chiropractor and functional medicine doctor. Yes. Um, offices in Denver and Frisco, Colorado. And I've had the pleasure of working with him for the past, I'm going to say, two months on some lower back issues and um, some pretty significant shoulder pain. And you got me back up and running just in time for archery season. I am immensely grateful. So, <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being here. And um, just as we were getting started, we were just talking about a lot about neurotransmitters and I was really enjoying your approach of just how you do your testing and like how that informs a balanced person. So, yeah, I've been working with neurotransmitters significantly for probably 10, almost going on 15 years now. I started seeing during my testing, I do EAV testing, which measures acupuncture points on the surface of the skin, um, measuring with electrical resistance, similar to what you guys do for biofeedback. Sure. It's the same exact thing. We're just looking for galvanic skin response changes to whatever that stimulus may be, whether emotional or whether I'm throwing some substance at it, supplement, pharmaceutical. And so we have a neurotransmitter point. That does not exist in acupuncture, but Dr. Reinhard Boll, who created the system, found these clinically correlating points, and I can tell you, oh, it correlates 100%. <laughs> nice. And I started seeing huge amounts of patients with neurotransmitter imbalances, which, as your field, you've been working with anxiety, depression, and everything in between for years now, and it really plagues a lot of the population at some level, right? It does, and it's hard to find out. Like. The urine test, the saliva test is really quite inaccurate. Right? It so is. We're, yeah. We just don't have the science. And even the two main companies that do the urine testing don't even agree at all. One says you can use it for baseline testing. The other says absolutely not. We only use it to monitor the nutrients that we're giving, amino acids specifically, for the neurotransmitters. Looking, are we raising serotonin enough, dopamine enough, GABA enough? Are the And acetylcholine are the main four they kind of monitor. Yeah. As you know, there's... Way more than four neurotransmitters. There sure are, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's what we have the science and technology for is measuring those four kind of baselines. Gotcha. So for people that aren't super familiar with neurotransmitters, could you give just a brief overview? Yeah. Like, I think they might be really surprised at where they're actually created. <laughs> yes. And, yeah. Our conversation earlier. Yeah. Um, the neurotransmitters are any chemical that the, the body creates to pretty much talk with each, each a different part of the system, whether that's to calm us down, whether it's to stimulate us, whether that's for our memory or recall, um, whether that's for sleep and circadian rhythm. So those brain chemicals are critical and having them balanced is obviously critical to living sure. your best life and being you know, as sharp or on your game as you can. And you know, a lot of these professional athletes you know, know the value of dealing with the mental and emotional side and balancing all that out because you can't be at your best without having all of it balanced. So neurotransmitters is one leg of that, is if you want to be at your top of your game, you got to have your chemicals balanced. And it's, a, it's an interesting um, art to balance them as much as their science right. because everyone responds a little bit differently as your specialty with neurofeedback, yeah. and we were talking about that earlier, some people respond amazingly to the neurofeedback and other people don't. So then you have to bring in different modalities for them to get that shift. Totally. Yeah. We just we were just telling you about the new Signet uh, IFL, like low frequency and working on glial cells now right. instead of like slow cortical potentials and these pieces of like, yeah, we can look at a map, right? We can 
come from a research-based standpoint, and some people are just going to have a harder time integrating that. Yep. Right? And that's the part, too, where we have to be really careful of, like, hey, we're going to try you on a different machine, a different protocol, different site, different frequencies, whatever yep. it may be, or are you just not a responder? And what I think we've run into, and just coming back from ISNR, which is our very intense conference on neurofeedback is, you know, getting into that gut health and neurotransmitter health of like, Hey, maybe there's another piece here too. Not maybe like there is another piece here. So how, and then what do we do? Cause so many, man, I don't, I, I can't imagine there's been very many people in the healing professions just to broaden that from doctors to energy workers to whatever, like that don't think, diet impacts it anymore i think everyone sees that but i don't think a lot of people know necessarily what to do it beyond like hey maybe don't eat fried food <laughs> right. Like, right so you know i think that's one of people's biggest surprises is where you know i asked them where's most of your serotonin made it's probably one of the most known of neurotransmitters right we talk mm-hmm. about serotonin with depression and anxiety a lot of the meds are to treat serotonin and so most people have heard at least some of serotonin so i asked where is it made Every response usually is the brain. Well, that's wrong. Yeah. The gut makes more than 50% or more. And we don't know what that number exactly is. And I think for each person, it's going to vary, right? But moral of the story is being more than half our serotonin being made in there. So if you are suffering from anxiety and depression, hey, maybe we should look at the gut. So maybe you don't think your irritable bowel disease and your depression are linked Oh, yeah, they They are are intensely enmeshed. Yeah, and we're starting to actually see that. We were talking about some of the different systems we use for neurocognitive exams or some of our questionnaires. And we're starting to ask a lot more about, say, the runs or frequent bowel movement versus constipation. And both of how does that correlate, just say, to nervous system health. Yeah. Well, and you were even saying that there's trying to do a mapping of the nerves of the gut. Yeah. Because it's critical that if you want that optimal health you want to live your best you have to have a healthy gut more than half of the immune system is located in there so besides yeah making your brain feel better having a happy gut well how about preventing all sorts of other infections is critical too and i think that the science is so young in the gut health that we have a lot of knowledge it's just like the nervous system we know the, the things we don't know far exceeds the stuff that we don't do know, even totally. though we know a ton of how the nervous system works, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the science is there, yet then there's this huge void of all the things we don't know yeah. about the nervous system. And I feel like the gut's in that same infantile stage of medicine where we know a lot about the gut, yet we don't. Yeah, I mean, you think about for the nervous system, you look at, uh, you know, Alan Shore or uh, Stephen Porges is the name I was initially thinking of. He's kind of the wrote the book on polyvagal nerve theory, which I think was published six years ago, seven years ago, right? So there's there's still people that are criticizing the, even the foundation of that theory. And yet it's like, you know, from another side, you're seeing the field of, say, heart rate variability taking off with multiple different algorithms and yeah. approaches and measurements and resonant frequencies and, like, really gaining quite, quite a immense amount of research and anecdotal stories yeah, as well. How long has been heart rate availability been around? Yeah, you know, I mean, decades, right? Totally. So you're seeing it more mainstream, but it's been around. You know, I learned about it when I first got into practice almost 20 years ago. Totally. And 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 it wasn't new 
then either some of the docs that had been doing it when I got in practice 20 years ago were like, oh, I've been doing this for 20 years. Yeah. So <laughs> one of the, uh, to bring it back to ISNR and to go on a brief tangent here, one of the things I thought was really interesting, we were talking about NeuroField, which is just, I think, pretty cutting edge in terms of Tesla coils and transcranial stimulation, yes. magnets, all these different things that, you know, as a neurofeedback practitioner, I'm very cautious about, right? Because we're doing QEGs, we're doing, you're learning through operant conditioning. We're not stimulating and sending electricity into your brain. Right. And a lot of our patients come in and they're concerned about that as well. But one of the things that really hit home is they're starting to use the chakra systems, right? right? Or even what you're talking about, acupunctures, these yeah. ancient medicine wisdoms yeah. that like, I mean, far predate any microprocessor that <laughs> yeah, we've yeah, ever yeah, had. Yes. And it's like, hey, we've actually had access to this in like through spiritual tradition or ancient healing modalities. Yep. And now we're like, oh, we can do this on the computer, or we right. can do this through whatever it may be, you know, and like, and maybe to an extent, really the lineage of that, like how we do that with, you know, pulses is maybe shifted a little bit or, yes. you know, yeah. So it's, uh, that's my system that I'm using to measure acupuncture points. It's a 50 to 60 year old system because a German medical doctor wanted to prove acupuncture and prove these meridians were there in the chi was an intangible thing that could be measured and so that's what he set out to do um well he's trying to prove a five to ten thousand year old form of medicine like yeah and it's great that he was able to prove it but yeah you're talking about stuff that's been with us for it's not even centuries thousands and thousands of years yeah i was i think a lot about that pendulum swing from say, religious or spiritual belief to scientific, yes. right? And there's been dark ages and these different <laughs> yes. these different times in our history of humanity where we're more likely to accept something based on our experience versus now we need, we're moving more towards that scientific. And, and that's nice because with computers, we can actually learn a lot and actually get some good progress with that. But also, like, if I, as we were talking about my dissertation for eco-psychology, it's like, Hey, like that's actually going to be a little bit about like, well, what is that nature connection balance with human use of technology? Like what, you know, what does that mean? And yeah. And how we're getting so far away from that to totally. kids aren't being in nature anymore. And the kids are glued in front of whatever screen it may be from computers to tablets, to cell phones and losing that connection with nature. So is that one of the contributing factors? Why so much anxiety and depression in kids is on the rise? Probably. Probably. Yeah. And I think there's research to support it. And then you always have the contrasting research, right? Where they're looking, and it depends on measures and depends on so many things. One of the, the pieces that, and I think I want to get into a little with you too, of like how to get the most out of things. But one of the things I've thought about more and more for myself, like when I'm coming to your office and recently I'm like finishing a client and then like, yeah, going the three minutes to your office. But like, you know, very tight. And I'm like, okay, how can I let my nervous system settle? So when I show up to you, I maybe have a little lower muscle tension or I have a little yeah. more plasticity or it can be manipulated better and release. And then also afterwards, like how can I integrate? Or like how well, can I keep those it, patterns? And it's tough with our lifestyle nowadays because we're go, go, go and squeezing it in. And, yeah. you know, we're both business owners and you're, you know, you're not just treating clients and patients, but you're running businesses and so times get tight the original chiropractor um dd palmer back in the early 1900s they had an infirmary and you would rest for up to two hours in Whoa. the infirmary after your adjustment 
early 1900s. A little easier to, you know, get adjusted and then rest for two hours. Yeah. You know, it'd be like asking your patients, hey, you're going to hang out in our relaxation room for two hours after your neurofeedback. Think how wonderful that would be to have them integrate what they just learned. What's the practical application of it? Totally. Right? So they're yeah. going to sit with you for an hour and then they're going to go chill for two hours in the room? Yeah. And I mean, it, it, you know, it brings you to this question of being busy, right? Of like as a cultural experience and as a point of pride. Oh, I'm too busy to... Right. Right. And then you're looking at, okay, well, too busy for what? Right. So I'm actually working with someone right now and the homework I've given them is basically a, a journal assignment similar to what I'm doing, which is for you all that don't probably know, is just tracking when I'm waking up, when I'm going to sleep, my mood throughout the day, energy throughout the day, what I'm consuming, what I'm producing, and just trying to look at patterns to see, like, hey, maybe there is a dietary thing or a pattern. Yeah. But the, the overall lens for this person who's got kind of a nervous system and vestibular dysregulation going on, it's like, what's bringing stability to your life and what's taking away from your stability? Right. And that can look like people, too. Like, does that yeah. person, does that beer, does yes. that whatever, are you getting more stable or less? Right. And, hey, if you want to meet your goals and it's less, like, there's your answer. And if you don't want to meet your goals, like, let's reassess what that goal is. Or if you do and you still want to drink that beer or whatever it may be, you know, let's take a look at that. Like right. maybe there's something else going on that we're actually like maybe he's in the shadow or outside of your awareness. I mean, I think so. that's that awareness is the, the key to that is most people are so unaware of themselves. Right. Yeah. And so that exercise, I think just really core foundation is bringing awareness, right? How do you feel? Right. How do you feel after you eat something? How do you feel, you know, after watching TV for three hours in a row? Right. Yeah. And a lot of us, um, walk around blind to all that we don't want to feel we've been taught to you know be numb right to not feel and so not be aware and i think that mindfulness is really making a resurgence and it's definitely one of the hot you know 100 topics right now but at the same time it's really just a great foundational thing as a human being to be aware of your surroundings yeah and what's amazing and i think the listeners who have been listening the whole time I think every single we've had nutritionists, endurance coaches. We had Rad Roller last week. The nice. you know the yep. uh, muscle myofascial release guys. Like everyone's saying that, right? Like it doesn't matter no. where you're at. It's like it, you know that first step for everyone's model is pretty much awareness. Yeah, you know it's, it's a, yeah because well how do you, how do they then. Um, have any point of reference, right, for any improvements, right? How many times I know in my career as a chiropractor, how many times where you're seeing amazing results with a patient and you ask them, how's it going? And they're like, no change. Right. And then also you're like, oh, how about those headaches you're having multiple days a week? Oh, no, no they're gone. Oh, yeah. how's your sleep and, you know, the insomnia? Oh, no, I've been sleeping great. And it's like, wait, a minute ago you just said you had no change. Totally. Yeah we're now asking very specific questions and oh those are significant changes because that awareness isn't there so i don't care what modality you're doing or what your goal is you have to have some awareness around that and have to have um, that so you can have a point of reference to start from so one of the gals we follow seaburn fisher she's a developmental trauma specialist and neurofeedback gal woman amazing just truly you're like she was, she presented from 3.30 to 6.30 on the last day of the conference yesterday. Wow. And I stayed the whole, I was just like, you could see like half the room is just like 
fighting to stay engaged and she was making it as easy she was just everyone's engaged but you're just you're done right you've been there for five to seven days right and one of the pieces that just really hits home with that is the question she asks the way she has her text ask is like what about you surprised you Hmm. like what was surprising for you this week right because people are like oh yeah it was surprising i went to sleep you know or these things and then it kind of hits it in like that curiosity which is a virtue we typically kind of curiosity and gratitude are going to kind of go hand in hand for a lot of people. Yep. So you're kind of stimulating that and getting better. Like it's worked great for us in this office. Hey, what surprised you about your kid? That's a great, yeah, that's a great question. It is a great, it is. Yeah. So, and if you're all interested, we'll show notes, I'll link Seaburn Fisher's developmental trauma book and some YouTube stuff from her. She's really easy to listen to. So, especially if you like the nervous system, (laughs) but, um, so the other piece, and kind of to pick on Seaburn again a little bit, that we look at is like mindfulness is great and awareness is great. But for some people that are in, say, PTSD or TBI worlds or severe anxiety, depression, behavioral regulation, right? Anyone that's really outside of themselves a lot. Yep. Like how can they bring themselves back to stability, I think is what they're, you know, like yeah. asking. and. I'm curious, you know, how you're using neurotransmitters or chiropractic to like help someone, right? Sure. You know, to add to that piece of awareness. Right. Well, going back to what we talked about earlier, it's first identifying, you know, what brain chemistry is off. And there's different ways to do it. Um, I still will occasionally use Dr. Eric Braverman's um, neurotransmitter questionnaire, Mm -hmm. which is a pretty good way to kind of gauge what your primary neurotransmitter kind of your core state of being and then what your deficiency is at. Um, but we use the avatar system to test and then we'll, a lot of times for those anxiety and PTSD and TBI, um, I, think, I think it's uh, Dr. Daniel Amen talks about the ring of fire, right? Mm-hmm. Where that brain is just so inflamed that they really can't get a good true picture of what's going on or their perception's very altered, right? Mm-hmm. And so the first step is getting that ring of fire put out. And so usually that's really common, the GABA, um, common, the brain down with lots of GABA and you can buy pharma GABA, which is one of the best. Um, it's a patented form of GABA that you can buy at any health food store and it goes right through the blood brain barrier and the chewables kick in in about 10 to 15 minutes. Oh, cool. So it can really calm that kind of really rev that person down. Um, and they work Similar to, you know, your benzodiazepines, your Xanax, your um, Klonopins, um, all those are trying to do that same thing on a much stronger, stronger scale. Um, but these are a little gentler, so it doesn't replace your Xanax or your Valium. But can it decrease your dependency on it if you don't let that nervous system get as ramped up? then maybe you don't have to reach for that Valium or that Xanax if we can keep you kind of sub-threshold. And so, and then it's also learning different techniques of meditation to get that nervous system, especially if you're stuck in that fight or flight, Mm -hmm. to get that nervous system down regulated. So I'll refer out a lot of times for emotional work for people just to learn how to down-regulate their nervous system. Refer to people like you guys for neurofeedback to learn what that balance feels like again. And a lot of people haven't had, right, that they're so, so stuck in fight or flight that it's become their normal state. 100%. And so they don't know what it feels like not to be in a fight or flight state. So you guys can come in with neurofeedback and get that pretty quickly. Now then it's a matter of educating the body how to stay there, 
but that's the whole point, right? Is with the neurofeedback is just like you're not going to go run a marathon um, without training. Totally. Not possible. Right, and we can give that really nice in the moment feedback and you know the biofeedback machines as well right yeah. where it's like hey this is where you're at right like what is that how can we start mapping interoceptive pathways for yourself and both bonnie and i do somatic experiencing which is peter levine's trauma work yeah and what we found what was really helpful too because i think it can get procedural right where you know where 1020 systems or broadman areas and oh all right, this is stemming from the thalamus and you get kind of dehumanizing when we get into that and it's that piece of like we're not doing neurofeedback to you right we're here working with you for you to train your brain and right. we're providing feedback so you can get there maybe fat or not maybe but like maybe definitely, definitely faster, faster and definitely with longitudinal results right so it's like if someone's gonna have that it's gonna last and then we're actually finding that that combo with psychotherapy and really like nervous system informed or somatic informed or there's a lot of different terms for it right now yep is just incredibly powerful. So there's a lot of our clients that are starting to do, say, 45 minutes of neuro, 45 minutes of counseling. So right. we're seeing for a, we're moving to a much more of that longer model yep. while someone's in the office, but we're actually finding that that's shorting the durations of our sessions. Or at session 20, we're much deeper or further than we would have yep. been. And I don't have any research on that, <laughs> but like in my gut and people would reflect and be like, yeah, that's what's happening. But right. you know, so that's what we're well, going to do. Because you're getting deeper on. healing. Right, because right. you're you're working on that trauma piece, and why is their brain in that stuck in that state? Well, if it's an old trauma piece, then having the availability to not just do the neurofeedback, but do the trauma piece, right? Hundred percent. As Peter Levine says, "Taming the tiger." Hundred percent. Isn't he great? He's great. I love that. It's like a. It, I love the animal metaphors for it because it's true, right? We have these like three parts of our. You know the triune brain, really. You know that model, and it's yep. like, that's that really is that part, that kind of animalistic. Yeah, so. I mean, so I always talk to people fight or flight. What what's the classic example of fight or flight? The lion chasing the zebra. Totally. You know, and then the opposite of the parasympathetic. Oh, when that lion gets the zebra and he's all relaxed and having enjoying his meal. Yeah. There's the exact opposite of your sympathetic fight or flight. Your parasympathetic. Feed and breed. Rest and digest, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Rest and digest. And that's, you know, so so being that we, as a culture, from I think we share the opinion that we tend to live in a very sympathetic... Very much so. Yeah. Like, you know, GABA's kind of relaxing that, yep. as you're talking about. And then, you know, what other pieces are you seeing being really helpful for people? And just to acknowledge, there's people on the other side that are in that full-on dorsal shutdown. Yes, totally. Like beyond, yeah. So but right now we're just kind of talking about a, you know. You know, learning different tools and stuff. And as simple as just some simple breathing exercises. Yeah. Right? A lot of people don't breathe. Sure. So, right, just some simple breathing exercises can really downregulate that whole sympathetic response. Yeah. What's the first thing that happens when we get into that sympathetic response is we stop breathing or breathe really shallow. Mm -hmm. Right. And so just teaching people to just take a breath and breathe. And also that we get so wrapped up in the rat race that we usually let a lot of our things that actually calm us down. And I joke around with patients. I said, I don't care what that calming piece looks like to you. You know, that could be exercise for a lot of people up here in Summit County, right? Getting out there and, and burning up some of that cortisol and adrenaline and, mm -hmm. and all that stuff. That could be knitting for someone else, right? That really calms them down, almost like a meditative. And so I'll just talk to patients on, hey, what relaxes you? 
You know, is that an intense exercise? Is that intense yoga? Or is that a vinyasa flow yoga? So mm -hmm. like, hey, let's try to work that more as your part of your lifestyle. We know that you're a high-strung person, so what can you do, yeah. you know, to, as part of your lifestyle? This is not, you know, with diet too, I'm a big advocate of we should eat in a healthy way all the time. We shouldn't diet. Yeah. You know, the the diet is really part of our lifestyle and having a good, healthy lifestyle and a good, healthy diet is just the way we should be. We shouldn't go and, you know, binge on all sorts of crap for a couple of months and then say, oh, I didn't really clean my diet up, but I'm going to diet and do this new, you know, diet where a lot of times it's not sustainable, right? So the person does great for that month they're doing it. Well, they go back to their old pattern. Right. And just like you guys, it's the whole point of neurofeedback training. I'm sure you'd love it if you could get, you know, people balanced and stuck there and want to do visits. But it's not practical. You know, it right. goes back to the marathon that we need to make that. And you're trying to have people get into these states and get there for longer and longer periods of time and be able to get themselves in those states quicker. Mm -hmm. Right. So they can calm themselves down. So when they start feeling amped up, you know, they know what it feels like to feel calm. Well, and I think in that knowing that's such a powerful statement that we take for granted. They know what it feels like to feel calm. And like you're saying, a lot of people don't No. <laughs> and what we've started from the Peter Levine's type, we're kind of informed by that somatic experiencing approach is that like when we're doing that, especially with like the ILF, the low frequency stuff, People are really chilled out. I mean, they're fighting, staying awake. Like, that's kind of that line we're playing yep. with. You know, if they're, like, falling asleep, we're going too far and we're pulling it out a little bit, right? But, you know, in that area, it's, like, bringing in that body scan and breath work of, like, hey, this is now a state you're starting to understand. You can find this again. You don't need the computer to do that. Right. Obviously, for a lot of people, we do need that for a yep. while. But it's just anchoring that into their, like, interoceptive awareness, into their vocabulary. Like, oh, this oh. is what it truly feels like to feel yeah. calm. You know, I think about like the Inuits having like what is like a hundred words for snow, right. right? You know, it's like we and a lot of us in some county, I don't know how many words I have for snow, but exactly. it's probably not a hundred, but it's probably not one, right? right? Yeah. You know, there's probably maybe 25 to 50 terms, you know, especially yeah. when we get into like snow science and that kind of stuff. But, you know, how can we have that type of vocabulary for relaxed or our different idling states? Yes. You know? Um, and that's a, that's a challenge. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I think it just is a product of our society, right? We are not a, um, Spanish or, you know, culture that, you know, takes a couple hours, right. For lunch, you mm -hmm. know, or a lot of the European, uh, other European cultures takes a couple hours for lunch. Just calm down, like sit and enjoy your meal. You know, not suck down your meal in five minutes at your desk, which I'm guilty of too at times. Um, but really taking our lead from other societies and other cultures of actually having some downtime, right? Like sitting and enjoying and relaxing, right? Yeah. It's the opposite, right? We got fight or flight, rest and digest. And then other cultures make that as part of their culture to have a three hour dinner in Europe or, you know, lunch is not unheard of. Okay. Here, it is unheard. It is. And, you know, you talked about that implication of that two-hour, you know, post-treatment for yeah. chiropractic in the early 1900s. And, you know, like, wouldn't it be nice if our clients could do that? And I think that's like, oh, my gosh, yeah. Like, just – and even if that's walking in the woods without a phone, that's what, like one of my favorite interventions. Like, <laughs> go take your dog in the woods for 20 minutes without your phone. Right. And, like, 
there's a lot of privilege to that, right? Like a lot of people don't have woods. A lot of people might not feel comfortable without their phone. Right. And there's an addiction side and then there's like a genuine like safety side, right? right? So it's like, it's really just an invitation to connect to yourself, nature and slow down. And as we're looking at bringing in the photomodulation stuff with the Violite, right? Yep. It's like, so as I was talking to you about, you know, we have this other treatment room here and we're going to be doing photomodulation, heart rate variability, skin temperature, kind of the, the biofeedback prep there yep. for probably about a half an hour, 20 to 30 minutes, and then bringing people into the office for roughly, you know, however long their neuro treatment protocol or counseling may yep. be. And it's like, you know, at a certain point of that, like, yeah, there's validity to both those treatments. Yes. And on top of that, we're compounding it with just the epicness of like, you're just sitting and being present to your breath. Right. Right. And yeah, like regulating your nervous system. And like, that's why it's nice because, you know, for a lot of us that are not trained at witnessing our thoughts or what to do with a racing mind. Right. And there's a lot of meditative schools of thought Tons. from like TM to Zen to yes. et cetera. It's like, well, like, what do you do? So at least this is a way for you to start interacting with that where, you know, you have some feedback. Well, I think that's one of the problems today is we have so much access, right? How many meditation apps are out there nowadays? It's amazing. Right? Like, yeah. It's just that weren't here as of, you know, forget about 10 years ago, five years ago. And so then how do you feel that and which one do you go with? And now at this point, the market's now so flooded with stuff like that is, oh, which meditation app should I use? Yeah. And then, it, you know, and it brings in this, so the, 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 one of the foundational questions I want to answer in my dissertation is this idea of like, do you need the app and what value comes from the app? Of and course what, you don't need the app. No, but, but, but I don't know, like you say, but we all say that, but then like we kind of do, right? Because like our minds, it's almost like meeting someone with where they're at. Like a skillful yes. meditator can, you know, Ken Wilber, the integral theory guy, if you're familiar with him, he's like... Yeah. Dude down in Denver, he's he wrote Brief History of Everything or Brief Theory of Everything. I used to be into him in kind of my early 20s, kind of guy like just a walking head. But he's uh, a profound med meditator and like, you know, kind of an ultimate biohacker in some ways too. And there's EEGs of his brain where he's like stopping activity or shifting states or just like that. And skilled meditators can do that. Yes. But that takes a lot of instruction. That takes a lot of time. And, you know, we can shortcut those like Dave Asprey calls his he basically is doing alpha training for 10 grand for six days. Um, I, I do not recommend his program. Right. I don't know enough to critique it, but from what I've understood, like it actually, it's basically increasing alpha to the point that people are so chilled out. Right. Yeah. But that also has a shadow because you might not be as getting your work done. And there's actually a high alpha subtypes of ADHD that live in your parietal. So even though there is increase of alpha waves in Zen meditation, they're also ba balanced with like gamma and other stuff. And maybe they address that there. But from what I've heard from people that have gone through it, it sounds like it's a lot of that. Alpha. You know, so. Which comes back to what we talked about earlier, balance, right? Doesn't oh, matter yeah. what you're doing, is having a balance. You know, whether it's a balanced diet, whether it's a balanced lifestyle, which up here is sometimes not always balanced with totally uh, crazy athletes. You know, I mean, overtraining is, is just as detrimental if not more detrimental to your body than under training you know yeah and so it's always about having a balance whether that's neurotransmitters whether that's brain waves whether it's your diet and nutrition yeah having too much anything is bad yeah well one of the so you we, before we got recording you talked about the prebiotic stuff and i think you know that's becoming more and more common knowledge for people yep but like i'd be curious just to 
you know, as we're talking about balance and, you know, I'm definitely guilty of like, oh, I'm taking probiotics. And you're like, well, what prebiotic are you taking? I'm like, oh, I guess sauerkraut. <laughs> you know, like, what do, what do you see as that interaction? Like, for someone that's like, well, I want that balance. You know, like, you know it's just le- first le- learning what prebiotics are. Yeah. You know, right? And that's the sugars that feed all the good bacteria. So as opposed to just replacing a set number of types of bacteria, well, let's just give the food to all of them. Right. Mm-hmm. And that could be simple as bananas and avocados are great prebiotics. Sure. You know, there's stuff that's way stronger, probably one of the most powerful in nature is chicory, okay. which they, um, which is a root. And that's where a lot of the prebiotics come from. So a lot of times you'll see with your probiotic, it'll say, it'll say prebiotic or it'll say inulin, which is the, which is the compound from chicory root that feeds the sugar that feeds all the good bacteria. So just learning on what the different prebiotics are and hey, can we eat eat more of these in our diet? And again, you want to rotate, right? So each one's going to be a little different. So it's not like you should have banana every day because they are a high in sugar fruit. So we want to rotate with other stuff, you know. Avocados, great for the brain too. You get all the good fats in there and we're getting the prebiotics in there. And so with food really as a foundation, is food is your best medicine, right? Like you're way better getting more bacteria from your sauerkraut than you are from probiotics. Not that I don't use a ton of probiotics in my office, I do, but I also encourage people to eat sauerkraut and kimchi and drink kombuchas. And, and now they just don't even have kombuchas. It's just probiotic drinks, right? They're just fermented mm. water. It's not even fermented tea, and that's what makes kombucha kombucha is you're fermenting a tea. You can ferment anything if you really want to, right? Yes, sugar and water and cool. yeah, and ferment away. Yeah, and the culture is oftentimes already in the air, right? So it's like, yep. yeah. And, um, and I think that's becoming more and more popular is people making their own kombuchas and fermented sauerkrauts and your kimchis and stuff like that. So well, some uh, more and more patients have been coming in and like oh, I've tried my hand at making kombucha and as of I and it's not an exact science and no, they, you're fermenting stuff and things can go south fast. Yeah, they can, and it's also a, a very inexpensive experiment. Yes. So I think you know just for listeners too, a lot of the big brands that you're getting at a, a grocery store, a lot of that actually gets pasteurized, basically. So some of those you have to be careful with to make sure there actually is you know, the health benefit you're wanting. And then, you know, some of them, like I think the GT brand has the black label that has, you know, 0.01% alcohol in it, which is an indication of that. And yes, like if you're fermenting at home, you will have some alcohol, you know, so that's something to acknowledge. But, you know, for anyone in Summit County, we have like 10 Scobies right now, which is the mother for kombuchas at our house. So people need them or if you need some more. There you go. We have more than we need. Um, (laughs) You know, and they, yeah, maybe gross for some people, but you can candy those and eat them. They, they're actually pretty delicious. You candy your scobies? I have, when we lived up in Bellingham, we had a friend that was a cook and she would do that. Huh. It was delicious. I have not personally done it, but I've definitely eaten it. I, so, I wonder how she does that without heat, because as soon as you heat those up, you know, you're going to kill off a lot of the... Yeah. Maybe she did caramelize them. Or I have no idea what... Yeah. It was I delicious. Could. It was kind of sugary. I was like, this is great. There probably wasn't a health benefit at that point, but I enjoyed Cooked it. everything And out it right. kind of grossed me out. So I was like, it was a good thing to to push for. Um, 
With the, you said chicory root, like, is there a way to find that, like, naturally, or is that a supplementation? Uh, Both. I mean, you can go to, you know, a natural grocer's and and get chicory in bulk, right? And you can add that just to it. Usually, it's a root ground up that you're throwing into, like, a smoothie or something like that. Or you can buy it as a supplement um, as well. So, you get it both in, you know, bulk raw section or as an actual package labeled supplement how much you know inulin is per teaspoon and stuff like that Um, the other that you'll see is um, labeled as fos which is the actual exact sugar fructo oligosaccharide is the actually exact sugar that feeds and now we're getting we're starting to see some more um, probiotics come out uh, prebiotics come up besides fos and there's an xos and I don't remember what the X is, <laughs> but okay. it's as similar as the FOS where it's just a different style of prebiotic Got it. Um, coming out. And that's a fairly new one out to the market. It's, it's just a different prebiotic. Totally. And it's like coming back to that, you know, if you're not tracking, and you're not aware, it's going to be really hard to notice what does and doesn't work for you. Because it it's, uh, it can get really expensive. And yeah. also it's that balance. Like I'm, I'm listening to these guys that are taking... You know, like I think Ben Greensfield takes like a hundred supplements a day, and I'm like, how do you even know the interaction between those? And like, how do you know what's doing anything? Like, it's just a, it's this interesting kind of. Uh, I don't know how to label that, but it's just interesting. I'll be I'll be yeah. gentle on that. You know, I, you know, and, and, and as a provider that recommends a ton of supplements myself, yeah. and do it every day for work, I try to keep the programs, you know, manageable where. And if I see that there are, with my system, if I see that there are maybe five, six, seven different organ imbalances in the body, I'll only take the top couple. Yeah. Um, and we'll work on those because I feel like just like multitasking, it's overrated, right? We can get a whole bunch done, but what kind of quality are we doing? Yeah, right? absolutely. And, and what's that interaction, right? So we're looking at, for the brain, like if something's stemming from... I was picking on the thalamus earlier, right? right? But you're like something like say a seizure disorder, or, you know, alpha or beta spindles or SMR issues, right? Like we can do a lot of different things, but if we go straight to that region or straight to that bandwidth, like we can get a lot done. Exactly. Like sleep all of a sudden resolved itself or these right. other things you're like, oh. Right. And so that's what I see too in my practice is you hit the primary areas of imbalance, whatever that may be. A lot of the secondary ones correct on their own and you end up not even have to treat them directly because once you get the primaries cleared up well the secondaries cleared up on their own and so i think taking that many supplements it's tough to know the interaction and what do you really what's your goals mm-hmm. and if you're taking that many supplements well your goals are probably all over the map totally and so the average person can't figure out what's making what better or worse right i mean you know, a lot of people, as much as they have reaction to pharmaceuticals, patients have reactions to supplements. Mm-hmm. And so if you're taking that many, well, you're not going to know what's what's causing, you know, maybe some side effects, some unwanted side effects. Totally. And it could be as simple as having a little diarrhea, right? And a lot of patients don't realize that, hey, too much vitamin C or too much magnesium will be causing their diarrhea. You know, they come in like, ah, oh, I have loose stool all the time. Like, oh, but I take a thousand milligrams of magnesium before I go to bed. It's like, well, that's why you have loose stool. They're like, oh, really? Yeah. It's like, hey, why don't we cut that by about a third and see what happens? They come back in the following week. I'm like, hey, my bowels are perfect now. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I bet they are. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. 
And so, you know, it's it's tough this day and age with that because there are so many supplement manufacturers out there. To go into a Whole Foods or, or a natural grocers is just so overwhelming mm-hmm. nowadays for people that access is great, but it can be also overwhelming. Totally. And so yeah. we try to be a little more specific and to use what's for your body and for what you're trying to work on, not just because somebody said, oh, this supplement's great, everyone should take it. It's like, eh, no. Yeah. It's not how it all necessarily works. It's like, just because it's good for person A doesn't mean it's good for person B. It can be quite detrimental for person B. Totally. And that's what I, you know, so in continuing to work with you at our last session, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can actually, my shoulder's good. I'm doing my, you know, BOSU ball push-ups. Yep. I'm at, like, doing 100 now just every day on the BOSU ball. I haven't gotten my feet up on the ball yet, which is like, you're like when you get, you know, that's like the next yeah, step. Yes. But now I'm like, I can do 100 and I'm good. Now I'm like, all right, I'm going to drop back down to set to 10, but I'm going to put my feet up on the ball yep. and start building it up. So like as I'm working on my stabilization, that next piece we talked about is like, hey, I want to work on, which is something we haven't talked about today, but like my posture and correcting some of like frontal roll, pelvis yes. type stuff too. But also this like, hey, like I do want to go in and do this testing. So that's something I'll keep the audience up to date on of like, you know, when I get my testing, we'll probably bring a camera so we can For you sure. know, film it. People can be like, wow, that dude's got some <laughs> issues. But, you know, it's like it's really a nice thing to, you know, it's ironic that I do bio and neurofeedback and I don't actually own a watch that. I mean, I have, like, an analog watch. Like, I don't own a heart rate tracker. I was training for the Grand Traverse. I bought my first, you know, HR thing. Like, I'm just not big on tracking. Right. But when it comes to this type of stuff, like, it's like when we start getting nuanced and I feel like my diet actually is maybe in that 80 to 100% or 80 to 90% good Good. range where you're like, yeah, I had a Snickers at the conference and, you know, like, maybe more Chipotle than I meant to. But, like things happen but that's like an outlier not a norm for me right now it comes into it's like oh and a lot of these things like skin issues have cleared up for me or other stuff but like we were talking about like with some weight i hold around my waist or with some fatigue issues i run into or like craving sugar every day at five o'clock you know it's like those are things where we get in like that nuanced tracking is like and what works for me or you is going to be different yes and that's not better or worse it's just like that's where it's so nice to come into your office and be like get an adjustment, move into that. Like I haven't tried the reader yet, but I've done the uh, bio set one before with Dr. Pollock and I've got very similar. Yeah. I've got great results from that. Right. You know, like noticed reducing inflammation. Cause I mean, ultimately we're trying to read the body. Yeah. My goal is not to treat any condition. My my goal is to read your body and see what the imbalances are. Let's correct those imbalances. And yes, we're going to see results when we start correcting imbalances. Totally. I'm not treating the symptoms and the condition we're treating the underlying cause of your symptoms or the condition yeah and that's also goes just like in your line of work for lasting results not just quick fixes can you calm somebody down with anxiety in minutes with your all your technology heck yeah yeah um how sustainable is that as soon as they walk out of the office you know those first few visits yeah you know, probably only last a couple minutes totally but that person then sees that that client sees that results and knows like, Ooh, this is what it feels like to be calm. All right. I want to keep coming so I can make this more of my normal state. Not. Well, that's, and and we run into this too for, with a lot of people of like, I kind of differentiated as like state hacking versus doing the work. Right. Right. Where you're like, yeah, if you're like about to give a presentation and you're having an emotional meltdown, like, 
superhero pose, some deep breath, focusing on your exhale. You know, like what you know, I'm guessing you have galvanic skin response issues and other stuff. Yes. But like, hope we'll train that over time. But there's things like anyone can do, and you'll feel better. Yes. Right. But then there's an an underlying maybe imbalance or also the emotional part, which right. is where we use a lot of the SE stuff for is like, well, we actually need to sequence and close that out. So I found, you know, for well, I was telling you this, like I found this vendor. I've been wanting to scale our business to work with people at home for a long time. I've yep. not found a product. I met with these people for about an hour and a half. I left and I was like sweaty, excited. I'm just like, ha- like pure, like, joy opportunity like sweet i've been trying to solve this for a year i think i just found the solution and it was fun to go to dinner with some dear friends and like have them give me some like reflection of you know jabby reflection of like yeah dude you got a little sweaty and excited there you're like yeah man i was excited and then for me i allowing it to come back down and be like right and there's still the reality and it's not perfect and i don't mean that in like a doom and gloom way i just mean like allowing myself to integrate and come back into a stable way yes. and not having myself making that decision in the like moment of like, it's all sunshine and rainbows totally. <laughs> and it goes the other way towards negativity too, but it's just bringing that out. And the, what I'm meaning to say here, as you can tell, I'm kind of processing this still, but is just the, like that integration of the story, the emotional, the mental, the physical all needs to come and the state hacking doesn't really address the mental and emotional it's right. just a temporary physical jump and there's nothing wrong with that nope. until it becomes spiritual bypassing or these other terms where it's a chronic way you're avoiding just like the the athletes we were talking about here that might you know nothing wrong with running and if you run every time you get whatever you are avoiding whatever that is you right know, feel anxious go run that there's a challenge there like we need to address that anxiety Yes. So. And it's the, the underlying, the core reason, like we just said, what I'm looking for is why is that imbalance there? Just like you're looking for, why is this emotional state here? Totally. And, and you know, the, I think the running's a, a great one that a lot of runners are running away from life, right? <laughs> That's like, true. The, that is a legitimate thing that most of them aren't even aware of. One of my ultra runners, after she got divorced, she was like, I don't really have motivation to run anymore because I don't need to run away from my bad marriage. Right. Right. Like, okay. Now what's your motivation? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and then being gentle with yourselves or whatever that is like, that's the best coping mechanism you had at the moment. And I think you're in a unique spot where you're probably getting people like that for like, Oh, my knee or hip. And you get to actually hit them and be like, Hey, you know, I know you're not here for this and you probably never, you know, but you're like, kind of Mr. Miyagi kind of like bringing them into like, Hey, there's a way you could live a little more, you know, easily. Totally. All right. A lot of times it just comes up organically of, you know, as I'm adjusting them, they come in for neck, low back pain, whatever. It's like, Hey, do you, my digestion's horrible. Or that might be common about my digestion being horrible. It's like, Hey, we can work on that. Yeah. Um, or like, Hey, I've been on these meds for a long time and I would love some help getting off them. And, you know, whatever that may be, um, and, you know, then we'll kind of morph into from more of a structural to more of that kind of visceral and, you know, mental and emotional work of how do we get somebody off their totally. antidepressant? And now they're in a much better state, so they're in a safe place to come off. But, well, let's look at what those underlying triggers were to get you there in the first place. Yeah. Well, I think... That's probably a good place to 
let people know where they can find you and just, you know, because I think that's this piece where it's like, these are all things that really need to be done from like medical discretion, <laughs> right? Like, please don't take yourself off your meds. But yeah, like, not at all. You, you I, know. I need you to be working yeah. with your doc and they need to be aware that you're trying to get off your antidepressant, you know, and as a chiropractor, I can't tell you to get on or stay off of them, but I can certainly help balance your neurotransmitters so your serotonin doesn't tank. Right, and that's what a lot of that withdrawal symptom is coming off, like an antidepressant, is your serotonin level is artificially being held up at a certain level. That's how most antidepressants work. And then all of a sudden, you pulled the plug on that one, and your neurotransmitters or serotonin specifically crash. So how can we use nutrition to boost that up? And that definitely has to be done with care. Because with stuff that we use, and that could be something like 5-HTP, you can buy that right from the health any health food store. Um, you can go to Walgreens and get 5-HTP in a supplement. You don't know, have yeah. to go to Whole Foods. Well, there's a reason that it says don't take along with an SSR MAO inhibitor, two types of antidepressants, your major types, because, oh, too much serotonin is not a good or fun state to be in, yeah, as not. you know. And the crazy part is you'd think like, oh, too much serotonin, I'm going to be really happy. Uh, no, quite the contrary. Serotonin syndrome, you get pretty aggressive and pretty riled up. Yeah. And so, you know, working with these neurotransmitter supplements, you definitely have to be careful, especially if you're on medication. And so, you know, we can help guide somebody through that process. And so they can see me either down in Denver at my office down there, which is Alternative Chiropractic Center. Um, and then up here in Frisco, it's the same alternative chiropractic center in Frisco. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can call the Denver office. There's always somebody staffed there. Um, they can call down there at 303-504-3600. Um, up here, um, it's just myself and another chiropractor. So we usually refer back to Denver for scheduling and getting people on the books. Um, you can also look at our websites, which are accfrisco.com or alt chirocenter.com and that's a-l-t-c-h-i-r-o-c-e-n-t-e-r.com for the denver location sweet and we'll have that linked below in the show notes but i want to give you just one last minute if there's anything else you want to say of just like impart something or putting you on the spot no (laughs) i mean you know it kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier which is balance is the key to life You know, really, whether that is through diet and nutrition, you know, whether nutritional supplements, whether just a healthy diet and lifestyle and going to the lifestyle of, you know, having a balance of exercise, too much of a good thing, which we see up here in the mountains of way too much of a good thing. Um, And, you know, the, the mind, body, spirit and having some type of whether that's just going for a walk in nature as you're kind of, you know, down regulating and reconnecting or that's you know a meditation app totally uh, you know whatever that may be but having that balance and we really can't live optimally unless we have that balance in life you know proper sleep um good positive mental attitude and ways to cope with stress um proper diet and nutrition and really a body free of imbalances whether that's an organ imbalance whether that's your thyroid or your adrenals or that's your mental and emotional state but having that balance. Sweet. I love it. And as always, thank you all so much for listening. I'm curious to hear how you find balance in your lives. And until next week, I hope you all find that balance. (laughs) Take care.